Welcome to Let's Talk, Ed and Zahi. Uh, in one of our previous discussions, we, we started talking about uh, cohorts, and, and specifically, uh, it was TRIO that we started talking about. And all of a sudden, you got this great idea that let's kind of dig a little bit deeper on you know these cohorts and and some of these these different positions that go with that that are often grant funded positions yeah before we we go down this uh, route let's define a little bit the uh, cohort and talk about the benefits of cohorts so cohorts are learning communities right and we can form them through a variety of means and ways we can uh, we can create uh, common sets of courses, maybe three or more courses that students have to take, and we create uh, learning opportunities amongst them, um, common uh, group exercises, and and we can forge therefore a siblinghood that creates a safety network. There are other ways where it's based on interest. In California, there's a, a program called MESA. It's for Math, Engineering, Science, and uh, Academy. And it's, it's a state-funded, uh, I think it's a state-funded, I may be wrong, um, initiative. And, and people who are interested in the sciences and enrolled in the sciences are members, and that creates a cohort. You know, you've got Skills USA, and, and you've got any number of those uh, opportunities. And they have been shown over the years to enhance success by enhancing retention and by creating a support network for that student amongst their peers. So now that we've done it for decades and we know how effective it is, the biggest, most glaring example of success being the TRIO programs in hundreds of colleges and universities across the nation that has helped millions of people. Have we thought about if those pots of monies, state, federal, wherever, go away, how do we continue implementing those now evidently effective uh, models of education? That's the challenge. And I, and I think you and I have had conversations many times about, well, if a grant goes or if source of funding goes, how do we deal with things? Many times, I think we let them go. Well, and I think that's a very real possibility here because there was a lot of grant money that came out of the pandemic, for example. And, you know, we saw a lot of that in the, the healthcare realm where, uh, you know, it's, it's let's find ways to help make sure that, that students are getting through our, our various healthcare programs and getting to a point now where, you know, they can be out in the workforce and those grants probably aren't going to last forever. Um, and there were a lot of colleges that, that took that money and used that to hire someone that is going to help those students. So the, the question becomes, if that money comes, disappears, uh, you know, we, we won this lottery temporarily, we went out and did something, how do we take that and make that now last forever? And is that something that's possible? Uh, and I think a big part of it moving forward is, you know, really thinking about when we get this money, 
when we get this grant money, how do these positions fit within the master plan of the college? So how can we make sure that, you know, as we're talking about this big picture holistic planning, we can make sure that that these services are there and sustainable? Sustainability being the key point, right? So if we established universally that learning communities are effective and typically TRIO grants don't don't employ very many people, right? The impact is tremendous with very few people. So how can we, you know, fold those people in and not just keep them on temporary contracts? That's a challenge. And then the other challenge that I think about, every time I, I work on a budget, I think about is, uh, what you talked about in terms of ROI, but we are dealing with people and their futures. What is the ROI? Is the ROI another set of dollars or is it the enhancement of the success and possibilities of enhancement of the success of, of the individuals? Those are best practices, right? We should be doing those things. Those were opportunities that the feds and the state governments have been given us and have been repeating and extending over the decades. But if they've shown effectiveness by now, they should have been um, into our budget. So I think we need to start by being intentional about the needs. Wouldn't you say that that would be the number one thing we need to think about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of look at, you know, what's important to people by looking at how they're spending their money. And um, yes, uh, employees can be expensive. They're, they're a big part of any, any organization's budget. Higher ed is no different. Um, now, do you, do you look at that solely as the dollars and cents that, you know, okay, if your position costs the the university X amount of dollars, then you need to return, you know, X times whatever number to justify your position. Uh, you know, do you want to go down that road? Probably not. Um, but is that a reality in a lot of places? Yes. Uh, so, we we see a lot of benefits, but you know there there's also a little bit of how do you really articulate what those benefits are in, in a way that uh, as budgets can be pretty razor thin at times, it's something that that makes sense because as you said uh, earlier, many of these programs, TRIO and, and other things that, that colleges and universities throughout the country have done with grant-funded positions, uh, there are benefits to students. These cohorts have benefits. These learning communities have great benefits for students. So, you know, finding ways to make sure we can articulate those dollars is very important. Yes. And, and, and very commonly what we do is we tend to overlap position tasks. So we want to get one person 
to do so many different jobs or the jobs of so many people, then we're spreading people too thin. And then when we get the grant, we hire people and we say, oh, no, they can only work for the grant because there's a time and effort, right? And you need to justify them. The issue becomes when, and this is how I view the world, the issue is not in the fact that those people shouldn't be solely dedicated on the grant, but if you don't have enough work for them, then sorry, you've done something wrong in your calculations. And I might go as far as saying, um, I will question the rationale for you to have applied for a grant and put in that uh, position in it. Um, but this is how I view things. So from my perspective, uh, what I think would be exceedingly helpful is to ask ourselves the question of what are the basic needs that those cohorts help meet? And then how can we unstructure it and see how we can make them work in our budget? I think, I think it could be done in every college, and I think we can get similar success to all of the students, not just the members of those communities, because I think all of the students deserve that, part and full-time. And especially when we're getting to the more and more of those non-traditional part-time students, then the, the, the pressure is even higher on us. Well, and I think it starts to go into, you know, something we've we've talked about before is really that individualized education and, and making sure that you have all of these supports, you know, throughout, you know, not just in the classroom, not just with tutoring, but things outside of the classroom as well. So, you know, all of those things are things that, you know, we definitely need to be thinking about. And, you know, we'd love to hear what you think about this as well. Uh, so uh, be sure and comment uh, down below here on YouTube. Uh, and of course, you can like our channel here on YouTube, ring the bell, you'll get notifications when we post new content like this. And of course, you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.